It is time for another Encounter with Truth as we continue our exposure to the heartbeat of the Mosaic Revelation, the book of Deuteronomy. Chapter 8 speaks to the Israelites about the good land they are about to inherit and about the prosperous days that lie ahead. Yet it also warns against a powerful danger that lurks in the midst of plenty. We face this same danger so let's join our Bible study teacher, Dave Wurtson, as he introduces today's lesson titled, Starving While Stuffed with Bread, by talking to about 30 of the children in his church on how they feel when their plate is still full, but their stomach says, I've had enough. I want you to imagine yourself sitting at your dinner. You just had a big day at school and you're sitting there Maybe you've already wolfed down two hot dogs and there's still a bunch of baked beans there. Now, how many of you have ever arrived at that point and you get about a third of the way through your baked beans and mom has worked hard. I mean, she's, she's mixed brown sugar in there. I mean, they're really special beans. But you get about a third of the way through and you've had it with the beans. How many of you ever had that? I mean, you lean back in your chair and you say, I am totally stuffed. Have you ever had that? It doesn't have to be beans. How many of you have ever been eating a meal, you got halfway through the meal and you just said, I am completely stuffed, okay? Now, a minute later, just a minute later, mom says, there is some bluebell ice cream in the freezer, your very favorite ice cream. Now, what happens at that point? You want to eat some. Now, what did you just say, though? You just said, you leaned back in your chair, and you said, I am completely stuck. Now, how in the world could you suddenly get more down in that tank? See, what you meant is that man does not live by hot dogs and baked beans alone or by salads and casserole, but man needs also to have a mix of dessert and everything. In other words, what you were saying was, I'm, I just can't live on just this. But I need to have a whole lot more. Now, the Lord Jesus and also Moses, we're studying the writings of Moses today, but Moses and the Lord Jesus said a very important thing. They said, we need to expand our appetite. They were saying that all of our food, including our ice cream and dessert and cookies, it says man cannot live just by food alone. In fact, Moses meant to expand that and Jesus meant to expand that to use food as a symbol for man just can't live for physical things alone. But it went on to say this, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, what in the world do you think that that means? Think about that little, that little verse. Man does not live by ice cream, cookies, bologna sandwiches, peanut butter and jelly, doesn't live just for cars, doesn't live just for clothes, doesn't live just for houses. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What do you think that means? That's a tough one. Well, let's break it down a little bit. The first phrase is, man doesn't live by bread alone. So it would imply that we do need to eat, don't you? How many of you would agree you do need to eat, okay? Now, what he goes on to say, though, that that's not all that you need. And let me ask you this. Where does your food ultimately come from? The refrigerator, that's right, okay? Where does the food... <laughs> Where does, the ref where does the food in the refrigerator come from? Okay, who, where does the food in the store come from? 
From animals, okay? And where do they come from? From farms, okay? Now what happens on the farm that enables the animals to eat food and be able to grow? Crops grow, right? Who causes the crops to grow? Like who brings the rain? Who br God brings the rain. There we go. All right. You see, that helps us to have an insight. Now, can anyone put it together? What, what the Lord is saying is that you don't just live by the food that you eat. You see, as you're sitting here, most of you haven't really given a whole lot of thought to where food comes from. Now, if we were to take you hiking out into the woods, like when I was your age, we used to do a lot of hiking up in the mountains. And there's two things that you desperately need after you hike for about two days, and that's food and water. And what you find out is, like you were saying, the food comes from the refrigerator. When we were about three days deep into the Adirondack National Forest or State Forest, there was no refrigerator. And you started looking around saying, we need to find some water, we need to find food. And you begin to realize, man, that the provision of food and water is really tremendous. And what that verse is telling us is that God is the one that provides food and water, but it's saying that we need a whole lot more than food and water. Today we're going to talk about the dangers of living just for stuff, living just for things. And that's a, that's a danger that you all have and that I have. We tend to live just for food. We tend to live just for things. And the Lord in this chapter wants to teach us about living for some stuff, some spiritual stuff that will last forever. Open your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 8. We want to talk about starving while stuffed with bread. I believe that if ever there was a time, if ever there was a time in the American culture where there's more stuff, there's more food, there's more material blessings. Some of us are struggling with our bills, but the reality of the matter is we think about the world situation. We as Americans have more food, more stuff than any other culture. In fact, a big industry in our culture is learning how to control our food, learning how to control how much we put in because we're satiated. And yet I believe it's possible in the midst of all this prosperity, in the midst of all that we have, we can still be starving. And that's what Deuteronomy chapter 8 is speaking about. It's speaking about this tremendous need that we can be in the midst of plenty and we can be starving. The chapter begins in chapter 8, verses 1 through 5, speaking about lessons in the wilderness. Let me read those verses for you. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. Moses begins, Be careful to follow every command I am going to give you today so that you may live. So Moses wants us to do, wants us to be sustained. He wants us to have, he says, I'm going to teach you some things that will give you life, and you will increase, and so that you may increase, and you may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on an oath to your forefathers. In summary, what Moses is saying is God made a promise to Abraham that you would own the land of Canaan. God reaffirmed that promise to Isaac. He reaffirmed that promise to Jacob. And now Moses is making the incredible claim, in your generation, this promise is going to be fulfilled. Remember, verse 2, remember how the Lord your God led you in all the wilderness, in all this desert, these 40 years. Now imagine that. Imagine being out in a land that's just barren desert, kind of like living in Arizona for 40 years, or in the Mojave Desert of Southern California. And no trees around hardly, just a few shrubs, not much water. And you just live in this land for 40 years. And he tells them this, God placed you in that land for 40 years, that desert, 
to humble you. And the word there, humble, means that the Lord is going to cause you to be constricted, to go through hard times, to have to be totally dependent. The idea of humility in this verse is that it means that you're totally dependent. It means that you realize I desperately need somebody. So it's saying that the Lord put us in this desert to humble us and then to test us in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that, that comes from the mouth of God. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Now the lessons of the wilderness are really very, very important. The issue that Moses is bringing out is to answer the question, who can meet my needs? I want every one of you to ask yourself that question this morning. Who do you believe can meet your needs? When I asked the kids, where does food come from? One of the guys said it comes from the refrigerator. You see, what they're saying is that, you know, I don't even give a thought to that. The refrigerator is always full. But, you know, there's some dads out there right now that have worried plenty about keeping that refrigerator full. There are some moms and dads right now that are very concerned about keeping it full. As you travel across the world, this business of having a full refrigerator is a big problem. Now, what the text is telling us is that it's in the wilderness. The issue in the wilderness is that you don't have the refrigerator. You don't have all the provisions. And that's when you need to ask yourself a basic question. Where does the food come from? Where does my health come from? Where does my strength come from? It's very easy for us to piously just say, oh yeah, it comes from God. But you know, that is a major turning point in life. There are some of us that are gathered together listening to the word of God that we believe that we sustain our life. We believe that we hold our life together. We believe that we provide the food. We believe it's our ideas and it's our hard work. And what the lesson of the wilderness teaches is that you see it in the wilderness, God strips away all of our self-confidence. In the wilderness, God strips away all of our ability to provide. And what he does is he makes us totally dependent upon his word. You see, the Lord told Moses to go out into the wilderness with about two million people. From a human standpoint, there was no way they could be sustained. And they walked out into that barren wilderness. There wasn't enough water. There wasn't enough food. And the people in the wilderness had to learn to be totally and completely dependent upon the Lord. Now that spirit goes totally against our American spirit of self-reliance. We think of going out into the wilderness to prove that we can make it to prove that we have the strength and we have the willpower and we have the ingenuity to be able to make it. It's very deep in our psyche. But the book of Deuteronomy is telling us that we need to learn that the wilderness experience, and every one of you are going to have a wilderness experience. Every one of you at some point in your life are going to come to a point where you lose your job. And suddenly all the college training and, and all the, the financial resources that you thought were available can suddenly be gone. And what do you do then? In the wilderness it gets tough. 
and you get humbled. You see, when we're prosperous and when the money's coming in and when the food's there and when the roof is over our head, we all think, man, this is awesome. This is tremendous. And I don't have to worry about anything. And then suddenly, God takes away all that self-reliant stuff. And suddenly you don't have it anymore. And that's the wilderness experience. And that's what the Lord was teaching the children of Israel. Now, he tells them, I brought them into the wilderness to humble you because I wanted you to realize that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We are starving in the midst of being stuffed because we believe that the essence of our life is the material side. It's the thing. And this is very much a part of me. It's very much a part of you. And what we don't realize is that, is that this verse is telling us not just a nice biblical slogan, it's not just something nice to talk about on Sunday morning, but it's the honest-to-goodness bottom-line truth. You don't live by food alone. Food isn't what keeps you going. Food isn't what's going to get you into eternity. You see, what the Lord is telling us is that you as a human being can have your, your stomach full, you can have money just pouring out of your bank accounts. You can have travel. You can have entertainment. You can have everything. And what the Lord is saying is you're not living by that alone. That's not what sustains you. It's not the meaning of life. It's not what will truly get you through. He's saying what will get you through is every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And what the Lord is saying, he's talking about a tremendous chasm. He's talking about a materialist who lives just for material things. And he's talking about a spiritual person who believes and put their, puts their confidence in the invisible God. And that's the spiritual biblicist. Now that's a gigantic chasm. On one hand, there's a person that says, my life is sustained by myself and what I can get and what abilities I have, and I'm the one that puts food in on the table, and that's where I live. And on the other side, there's a person that says, no, I'm totally dependent upon God. A friend of mine named Joe Jordan was raised in the home of an alcoholic. His father just brutally you know, beat him several times, and, and his relationship with his dad has been incredibly rocky throughout his entire life. He told me about the, one of the last times he saw his dad. It was in one of the cities back east. His father is skillful um, with his hands. He's been involved in, in all kinds of, you can't even describe some of the secret missions he's been on. He's just a very competent, self-sufficient man with a lot of military training behind him. And my friend Joe and, sat down in a, in a hotel and they met his dad and they began to, they were going to eat a meal. And as the waitress brought the meal, Joe said, do you mind if I lead us in a word of thanks for the food? Now, ordinarily, you know, that, that's a little bit of an embarrassing moment. Ordinarily, that's a little bit of a problem. But it's not this kind of a problem. His father looked at him and said, absolutely not. I'm the one that put this food on the table. I'm the one that's paying for the meal. It's my strength and it's my ability. And I'm going to feed you, my son, and you will not thank God or anybody else for it. You'll thank me. Now, what do you do as a believer there? I mean, this guy was, was very competent in martial arts. He could kill Joe. And Joe said, man, it was one of those things. And the Lord just kind of tapped him. He says, Joe, you need to be gentle. You need to be kind, but you need to stay your faith. And he said, Dad, 
from the depths of my being, I want you to know that I love you, but man doesn't live by bread alone. And I don't believe that this meal on the table or anything else, the very strength that you have in your body to be able to generate wealth is totally dependent upon the Lord. He says, I'm going to pray. His father said, if you pray, I'm going, to, I'm going to kill you. And evidently that meal went from bad to worse, you can imagine. But there's the conflict. Here's a man. What I want you to see is here's a man on one side, a man who's a materialist. A man that says, I'm the one that makes it happen. And across this week, in your work, you're going to meet men and women that are living materially. They're just materialists. On the other hand, there are those that have a connection with what will last forever and ever and ever. What the Lord is telling us in this verse, the lesson in the wilderness is to humble you. You need to learn that, you're, and the Lord's going to bring you through life. You're going to come to a point where the Lord rips away all your self-reliance. He rips away all of your pride upon me. Very, very strategic lesson of the wilderness. Now, in those hard times, the Lord also said this, I want to discipline you. I not only want to convince you that I'm the one, it's my word, it's my promise that can keep you going. But he also says, I also want to test you because I want to find out whether or not you'll obey me or not. Kids, if your dad says, I want you to go into the refrigerator and get your favorite ice cream. Mary said her favorite ice cream was cookies and cream. So if David says, Mary, I want you to go in and I want you to eat a big bowl of cookies and cream, whatever it was. Was that, was that it, Mary? Is that the right one? All right. Mary, is it hard to obey that? Is that a tough request? Not a tough request. Really, you don't feel in your heart, boy, my dad, man alive, he wants me to go in and get my favorite ice cream and eat all I can want. That's not a hard one. Kids, when is it hard to obey your parents? When they ask you, is your homework done? Have you finished your math? You say, my math is hard. I can't understand it. I've been, re I've been, I've been reading it for an hour at school already and I still don't understand it. And mom and dad are saying, you've got to work on that math then it's hard to obey. That's when it's hard to obey. I find in my own family, you know, it's hard to obey when I say to one of the kids, mom has mowed the lawn, we need to trim mow with a hand mower, and it's hot, and it's going to be sweaty. And suddenly, that's when obedience, ah, maybe. You see, that's when it's, it's in the test of the discipline. It's in the test of the discipline that the hard time comes, the training comes. And you know what the Lord is saying? He's saying, in the wilderness. It's in the wilderness when it's hard. When the Lord says, I want you to walk in this wilderness. I want you to rely upon me. And the physical environment around you is not too hot. When it's not too good. In fact, it is too hot. That's when the test of discipline becomes crucial. I want to share this with you. You'll never grow in your spiritual life. Now get this. None of us are ever going to grow in our spiritual life until we learn to obey when it's hard. You're never going to mature in your spiritual life. In fact, to be honest with you, you will never mature in athletics. You will never mature academically. You will never mature spiritually until you learn to obey when it's hard. It's one of the great lacks. Our generation today, like in athletics, if a coach says in football, we're going to run, and we're going to run for eight miles, 
In fact, they coaches used to take their guys out in a bus and they take them eight miles away from the school and say the last guy home, you know, has to clean up the John in the locker room. That used to be what coaches do. Coaches do that right now. We'd sue them. Right now, like we're all proud of our Dallas Cowboys and they're in spring training right now. They're mini camp. And if you were to go and ask those guys that get paid multi-million dollars to play ball, how's it going in mini camp? Isn't it a great fun? And this guy, Ooh, you know, while he's trying to lift all those weights and while he's running mile after mile after mile. In athletics, we all know when the chips come down, it's someone that disciplined themselves in the hard time that was able to win. I want you to think very deeply about this, my brothers and sisters, because I think it's one of the greatest needs. Some of you that are raising your kids, I want to apply this in the area of, of raising kids. As I look back over my childhood, there was the lesson of the wilderness in my own life. For one thing, my parents allowed me to do a lot of camping out in literal wildernesses. And some of you parents, I want to really encourage you, if you can provide opportunities for your kids to camp out in the wilderness for long periods of time, let them do it. In both Jonathan and Joel's life, one of the major turning points of their life, spiritually and intellectually, was a four-week program that they did up in the mountains of upstate New York. They start them out the first week, they take them and teach them first aid, they teach them an intense course in Bible study, and then they teach them about some basic techniques, they start running them through obstacle courses, they start getting them in shape, and then they, they go on a short couple day camp out. They go up one of the small mountains, and then they come back and they run them more. Like when I went up there when Jonathan was in the program, and they were running them around the island, around this obstacle course. And they had to get up over walls and all kinds of stuff. And then Joel followed a couple years later, did exactly the same thing. Then about a week later, they put him in another mountain trip. This is a lot longer. And they hike up the largest mountain in the Adirondacks. It's about a four-day trip or so. And then at the end of their program, they take him on a several-mile canoe trip. And you can ask Joel later about, you know, portaging canoes. There's nothing more fun than carrying canoes. It's awful. You know, canoes are meant to be in the water, and they take them on this canoe trip where you carry canoes on your head for a, about a two miles at a time, and, and you have to carry everyone's canoe. It's hard. But if I were to ask my boys, what's one of the most shaping times in your life? It was that time. I remember my own life when I was exactly their age doing the same things. There's lessons you learn when there isn't the restaurant, there isn't the refrigerator, there's just the barren wilderness. And God knew that. Don't be afraid of the lessons of the wilderness. Let me share about some lessons of the wilderness that are really important in life. Some of you moms and dads are never letting your kids eat salt teens. In other words, they go away from home. And you make sure they've got plenty to cover everything. I remember one of the greatest times in our, in our life together, in my own life, my dad told me I could get married whenever I wanted to, but whenever I wanted to and whenever I did it, that was the end of the finances. And he stuck to his guns. I called my dad up. My dad was shocked. I was supposed to work at World of Life going into my junior year at uh, Houghton College after I got married. I was going into my senior year, and Mary and I got married over the holidays uh, that previous winter. 
And that summer, a guy said, man, we want you to sell books. And all of you have had, in fact, probably just recently, you had one of these guys come by your house and try to sell you books. And I came up with this cock and bull idea that I was going to sell books. And I told my dad it. My dad thought I was totally nuts. We got in a car. We got a U-Haul trailer. We loaded it with books, and we ended up in L.A., Southern California. Never been there before in our lives. When we arrived there, we had $15 in our pocket. No place to live. Hardly knew a soul. All we had was a trailer full of books. And I remember Mary said, well, what are we going to do to eat? I said, well, we're going to go and we'll use our $15 and we're going to wait till that, and that lasts and then we'll have to sell. You all get to benefit the experience that I had that summer. You know why? Because for about 12 hours every single day, from 8.30, really more than 12 hours, for about 14 hours every day, from 8 o'clock in the morning till 10.30 at night, I visited 55 or 60 people. I sat in their homes and tried to sell them books. And I got cursed at, and I got thrown out, and I got cold glasses of water poured on me and given to me. I had people that bought 12 nave topical Bibles and others that wouldn't buy one in a million years. And boy, did I learn what life was really like. I had one engineer after another tell me, Life is in the hole. I just lost my job. I'm never going to be able to be prosperous again. You don't have a chance of selling books. Everyone doesn't have a job out here in L.A. And I heard all that negative thinking. But you know what? After doing that for hour after hour every day and learning to talk to people and learning how to persuade them and learning how to communicate clearly, the Lord provided for us. And we were able to drive out of Southern California. We had our bills paid for the next year. And we had eaten a lot of saltines, but by the end of the summer, the Lord had provided. You know what we learned? Mary and I learned that the Lord could use our gifts, that he could work through us, that he could make things happen, that if we would depend upon him, if we would believe in him, if we would really trust him, and then we would work hard, we would be disciplined, we would be obedient, that the Lord could provide. Some of our kids never learned that lesson because we never let them do it. Have you allowed your grown children to learn the lesson of saltine crackers? Have you allowed them to sink or swim in the real world? Or are you afraid to trust God to teach him the same lessons you needed to learn in the school of experience? What Davis shared about allowing his own children to face the rigors of the wilderness and the challenge of having to work hard to make ends meet is the stuff that helps kids to become adults. God knew this as he raised a nation in the Old Testament, and we need to remember this as we raise the next generation in our own homes.